When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But Cal, the Sunday snap kicks off. All right, I'm going to kick you off, Tom, because I think that the, the Cats are back. They were never gone. 0-3 to start the season. Everyone, you know, the drums are beating. Everyone's really quick to ride off a champion, but the champions are always a threat, and they are always a threat. They clearly had a plan in place whereby they knew what the fixture was going to open up to be. Hawthorne into West Coast, a little bit of ground there, and then the big test on Saturday. Yes, it was depleted Sydney lineup, but they're back, and... Jeremy Cameron is on track, I think, to be the first since Tony Lockett, 1987, to win the Brownlow and Coleman medal double. Six games, 27 goals. I think he might have 10 or 11 votes up his sleeve. Clocked 19 votes last year in the Brownlow medal. So it's not as if it's just out of nowhere him being an umpire eye-catcher. We will talk about the Cats in more detail in a few moments' time, Josh. But Jeremy Cameron, Coleman and a Brownlow... Is it possible? Uh, well, history would say no, would it not? Uh, uh, I don't know. I find it... We were actually talking about it after the game last night when we were just um, uh, debriefing. And um, like last night's performance, I, I could easily see him getting no votes. So that's where the um, that's where the forwards miss out. I think you can, you can easily make a case for him to get three and you can make a case that he'll get none. And traditionally, in those situations, the, forward, the big forwards have received none. So I'd love to see it. I think we'd all love to see it, would we not? Yeah, I'd love to see it. It'd be amazing if you could get there. But he's got a couple of good players up against him. Marcus Bontempelli's in amazing form. We'll talk about him. Nick Dacos for Collingwood. I'm sure some others will pop up over the journey as well. What's your snap, Josh? Well, my snap is a uh, another forward who might challenge for the Coleman medal the way that he's been playing his past three weeks. Now, I know this uh, young man very well. I played with him and have remained very close with him. And I reached out because Charlie Cameron uh, has taken over. He took over the nation's capital. A lot of our politicians, I mean, you wouldn't give them uh, too much of your time at the best of times, but he took over Canberra yesterday. He was absolutely... He was the difference in the game. GWS, I thought... Uh, really put their best foot forward, but they didn't have a Charlie Cameron. Toby Green was uh, somewhat uh, held in check, and Charlie Cameron absolutely took over. So he's kicked six, four, and seven in his past three. He's uh, he is a prolific goal scorer in a small forward's uh, body. He's a he's such a weapon. He's the most um, watchable player inside fifty in the competition. So uh, King Charles, which was Charlie Kerno last year. The mantle might be uh, handed across to King Charles, Charlie Cameron. Oh, Josh, you said you've been in touch. We want to know, did he mean the kick or did he not? Well, that's exactly uh, what I reached out to find out. Now, I'm happy to go word for word. I, <laughs> I, I said, did you mean to kick the goal? And then I wrote, honestly, in large, uh, large letters. He wrote back, I'm a freak. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, I said, I said, yes, I know, but did you mean it? And he wrote back, yes. Wow, there we so go. That's 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 where... Now, I, I, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. They're, they're, on a, um, they're actually uh, in the air. 
So uh, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and uh, find out because I'm not I'm not certain with his celebration. I'm a bit I'm a bit circumspect on whether he meant it because he was he looked a little bit surprised to me. If he meant it, I reckon there would have been. Um, he would have been in fifth gear on the motorbike, I do, reckon. Do you think he meant it, Cal? I think he did, but uh, I think he meant it, but I'm not sure he knew it was going to come off like it did as, as swiftly and perfectly as it was. It was something like Marcus Rashford was pulling out. Marcus Rashford, yeah, exactly <laughs> earlier right. Earlier in the EPL season. So it was sensational, <laughs> but he was up and about. So you give him the confidence factor as well. But mm. I agree with JJ what you said. You know, the celebration was a little bit muted for someone who's pulled out that trick. Well, maybe he's just done it so many times, it's not that special for him. I mean, can, <laughs> can, can you get goal of the year if you don't mean it? <laughs> uh, well, that's a goal, right? So it has to be a, has to be a contender, that's for sure. But he um, he's, so, he, he's remarkably... Now, he learned from the best, Eddie Betts, of course. Uh, they played together at Adelaide. He, he learned from the best. So um, he's remarkably consistent as a small forward. So uh, he's an absolute joy to watch. Right, Tom finishes off with your Sunday snap. My Sunday snap is Kennable. Who is Tenable? <laughs> I think we all know that Warren Treadray went a bit early after the, I think, the second round of the season or the third round of the season. Saying after the that, showdown. After the showdown, that's right, saying that uh, Ken Hinckley's job was untenable. This is not to say that Ken Hinckley will definitely keep his job. We don't know what's going to happen. But it's certainly tenable right now. They've won three on the trot. They're playing good footy. Um, and everything seems to be working pretty well for them. Now, they got over the line against Sydney um, in, in a late one. But yesterday, albeit against a depleted West Coast, they did what they had to do, Cal. Yeah, they did. And they entered the season with the the knowing that the first six weeks is going to be a, a, a shaper for the rest mm. of the year. And look at the fixture. They played Brisbane in round one, Collingwood round two, Sydney round four. That's three of the top four in the open from last year. Three of last year's preliminary finals in the opening month. Come away with that little block with two wins. And look, the Adelaide defeat at the time was probably a little bit more surprising, even though showdowns are 50-50 at the best of times and worst of times for Mm. both clubs. But you put that in the extra context now of what we're seeing from the Crows, and that defeat doesn't look too bad at all. So they were blown away by Collingwood in round two. They're not going to be the first or last team to do that. They've got it done against the Swans away, the Bulldogs in really tough conditions. I was there last week at Gather Round, and that was the, the toughest game off the weekend in terms of how that was played and the conditions and rain. So, yeah, they did what they had to do last night. I think they've got the talent across the board to be a top six or seven team. Is that enough to keep his job? To finish seventh, maybe lose a final, lose an elimination nah. final? Does he end more than that, Josh? N- nah. No, nah, no, nah. he he, and I've been down this path before, and it's uh, ended uh, in me getting my head bitten off by most Port fans. But um, I've always felt like that that Ken was the first one to be blamed for any issues, uh, negative performances in 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 Adelaide with the Power fans. So, uh, look, Warren Tradray might have gone a bit early, but I I think he he probably ends up being correct because. Um, and I think it would be not 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 jumping the gun, but I think Ken has been open in saying that. Well, I'm 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 going to assess my options too. It's not necessarily a one way street. I've been here a long time, and I want to um, think about what's best for me and best for the club as well. So uh, there's a long long way to go. I'm keen to see them in some more uh, challenging uh, situations than beating West Coast at home on a Saturday afternoon. Isn't the status quo the fact that it's tenable now until it's untenable though, Cal? I agree with that. And and also the fact that, yes, it is his 11th season and he hasn't made a grand final, but they've been pretty close a couple of times. Mm. Last year was the dip away after two prelim seasons. 
the other part of this discussion is who's coming in that's definitely going to be better. And, and the pool has been drained of senior coaches last year. We saw that with Alistair Clarkson going to North Melbourne, Brad Scott at Essen, Ross Lyon at St Kilda. And that's the same discussion around Stuart Jew at Gold Coast. If you're going to replace a coach, you'd want to know that the next one is going to be better or the CV's good enough to make that change. And I, I don't know if that groundswell of, of options is there at the moment. So that's that's in his favour. He's got the connection with the players. And you saw that last year that they fought back from 0-5. They could have moved him on by, by uh, giving up last year. They didn't. And this year they, they are as a talented a group and have a connection with the players that I think is un, unseen sometimes behind closed doors. So, no, I, I think they're a contender in the top six. All right, we're going to talk about the Cats and how they got the job done against the Swans. But, Josh, first of all, take us into the occasion last night, unfurling of the 10th flag, Joel Selwood, Cameron Ling, some other greats of the club. It was the most Geelong night in Geelong that I think I've ever seen. It just must have um, stirred the passions of all the fans down at Kidinia Park. Well, do you know what? If if um, if you hadn't told me that the flag was going to be unfurled last night, I wouldn't know. I literally would not know. I didn't see. Uh, and I think the players would be very similar. I didn't see one thing and I was out there in an early pre-game warm-up and that was obviously before any of it had started and then when it all happens, the guys are inside. So um, when uh, when the question is, is sort of thrown up, you know, how will you um, handle the occasion? Well, there's no occasion for the players. It's it's I guess it's acknowledged in conversation only, but you just don't see any of it. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a clearly a fantastic night for the fans and those who were outside and able to enjoy it. But for the the players and the coaches and the staff who were locked away inside preparing for the game, it was it was it was very much just a regular game of footy. So, um, I guess it's 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 something that's overstated for for the players because they're simply immune to it. It's going to be talked about the similarities between the grand final, isn't it? Only seven games ago, two thrashings in the space of that period, essentially, for the Swans. Josh, how much was drawn on how the Cats got it done on grand final day? And strategy-wise, and what the Swans have put out this year to to go back and see if it worked again? Um, I think, look, the personnel was so different, particularly from Sydney's point of view, that it was hard to know what to expect from them in terms of how they would shape up. And, you know, Callum Mills and Chris um, said this last night in the uh, in the uh, press conference, Tom, which I know you will have watched. I did. Um, that, um, that, you know, we spoke about a million different things and Callum Mills playing fullback on Tom Hawkins wasn't one of them. So I guess it spoke to, to, to how dire the situation is for Sydney in terms of their personnel. And the other thing is, uh, I just think that there are going to be... I think every team is going to have a game this year where they just get ambushed. Uh, they just get... They, they they just find themselves 5% off and the other team's 5% more wound up than they normally are. And that can be the result. And we saw it. We saw it last week. Adelaide and Carlton. Adelaide were absolutely wound up like a top for, for, for the ability and the opportunity to open gather round. And Carlton just sort of, you know, loomed into a contest just thinking it was a normal game of footy. And we saw what happened in the first 20 minutes. I think that's similar last night. Sydney were, you know, subconsciously, you know, geez, it's going to be tough. We're down on defenders. They've got, Geelong have got two of the better key forwards in the game. It's going to be tough. And sometimes when that seeps in, that can be the result. So, um, yeah, 93 points is a is a significant loss and will really, 
I guess people will really want to go after Sydney and, and, and look at some, is there scarring and fracturing and issues like that? I just think most teams are going to have a night like Sydney had last night. The only thing that was missing from grand final was Robbie Williams last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the injury crisis continued though, didn't it? Matt Roberts was subbed out in the second quarter with a knee injury. Will Gould came on and, and did help a little bit in terms of their, their back half. It's an an injury crisis that's hit the, the key position stocks though, hasn't it, Tom? And Joel Amati last week with his long-term hamstring injury. Tom Hickey's out the hamstring mm. problem. Lance Franklin's got his knee. The McCartan's are both out with their concussion issues. Louis Melican's a key back who'd be able to help. It's out with an adductor. Dane Rampey with his neck injury. Sam Reid with a long-term hamstring problem. John Longmire spoke last night after the game, which was, by the way, his heaviest defeat in coaching the Swans yep. in, in more than a decade, about there not being any guarantees any of these guys are back. So what does this mean for them over the next month? Well, it's an issue for the Swans, who are now 3-3. Three and three. I mean, if you look at the Swans, who are 3-3, three and three, and the Cats, who are 3-3, three and three, they look like they're completely different end of the spectrum, don't they? I mean, um, the Swans' injury crisis is serious. Just just some numbers on the Swans and, and how significant this defeat was for a club that has been largely successful over the past two decades, Josh. It's the heaviest defeat since round 10, 1998. Um, and it's also the, uh, the their second half score was their lowest since round 12, 1971. Well. So for a club that's pr- largely prided itself on consistent performances, even if they haven't quite got the job done on a couple of grand finals. Last night was a disaster for them. It's only four points. It doesn't mean their season's over, but it doesn't bode well. I want to dig into Callum Mills and Tom and Tom Hawkins, though, because this was a matchup that surprised, as you said, even anyone, everyone, Josh, including your coaching staff. Do you think part of it was that they wanted Callum Mills to play offensively and work Tom Hawkins defensively, or did they just literally not have anyone else? I think they just didn't have anyone else. Now, Aaron Francis was brought in for his first game. I thought, personally, I thought potentially he was going to go back and he's played back. But all his VFL, uh, all his VFL preparations had been as a forward. So, you know, it was going to be difficult to ask him to to come in and, and play as a defender as well. Will Gould started as a sub. He perhaps has the size and stature, but. Hasn't got the experience. He's only played, I think, one game as a sub. So um, I think it just spoke to the dire situation that they're in. You know, um, McCartan times two, Rampy, uh, even, you know, Malikin, who would be, I guess, a depth um, key defender who's played some AFL footy, all unavailable. So at some point, you tip over the edge and, and you know, the, some of the best defenders in the league struggle to handle Tom Hawkins. So... Uh, you know, Sydney's fifth, sixth, seventh string key defender in terms of personnel and who was left, they're always going to struggle. Let's not forget Callum Mills is an all-Australian wingman. He's, um, he's 19 kilograms lighter than Tom Hawkins. <laughs> at, it's least. A remarkable, at least. It's a remarkable mismatch. 16 players played last night who played in the grand final, though. Mm. So this is not an inexperienced team on that front. Yeah, interesting. Their, their grand final team was beaten off the park, though, by the same the same team. Yeah, and there's going to be clearly questions about the scarring of that, and, and JJ mentioned that, and that'll be washed away from the Swans, no doubt. But it's undeniable now, isn't it, that if these teams play in a final later this year, should the Swans get there? Mm. I think the Cats are now well on their way to be being back in contention. But if they do get there in a big game, where does that sit? I've had a view with Sydney, and Sydney's, Sydney's key... 
uh, core and nucleus, they're still young players like Warner and Robottom and Goulden and Fox and there's there's at least another five or six more. They're still young players, so they're gonna have their they're still gonna have their dips. Now clearly their best is really, really good. It got them to a grand final. And perhaps, as some people said, I'm not really don't really buy this that much. But ahead of their time, that was the view of some people. That I think when you're a young player, when you've got such a large group of young players, they're still going to be prone to some really poor performances. And I think when a few of them play um, poorly or even below average, it affects the rest because they're such a, a kicking and a, and a and a ball movement team. When that, that's taken away from them or when they're, they're not able to, to do that, that affects the next guy in the chain and the next guy in the chain. So I think that's what we saw last night. They're probably still going to have, you know, I don't think there'll be too many more 93-point losses for the Swans. But I still think they'll have their moments, you know, once a month or once every, you know, month and a half where they have a performance where a lot of their young guys uh, have, have quiet games and therefore their, their performance dips. It's only natural. 98 press conferences this season, post-game press conferences, Cal and Josh. This was the shortest by far from John Longmire. Three minutes and 38 seconds. Very, very <laughs> abrupt. Let's have a listen to a, a couple of quotes from the Sydney Swans coach. Well, we've had to do that. You know, we're just... That's what we've, we're faced with. You know, our, our situation means... You know, we've got our All-Australian midfielder at full-back and that was the same last week, but our, you know, our ability to be able to compete against the Tigers, even when challenged, was a lot better than what it was tonight. So um, you know, the situation is what it is and we'll, we'll try and get it better. <laughs> but short of the personnel that we had out there tonight, you've, we've just got to get the contest a bit more even. John Longmire not in the mood for any expansive answers last night. No surprise, Cal. No, I've heard Beatles songs that were longer. <laughs> I, I do think, though, that he's not the type who is overly expansive when they've won by 10 goals as well. That's also true. I don't think he's a big press conference guy. I watched it this morning as well. wasn't keen to be drawn on any of the injuries, any of the impact of uh, last year and, and where things sit for them. But uh, look at, looking ahead to them as well... Their next four, they probably win three of the next four. You'd think they do go into next week's clash against the Giants as favourites. They play Fremantle and North Melbourne as well. Collingwood's the, the outlier where they go in as the underdogs. But I think there'd be an element of concern about how they're tracking from a team that played in the grand final last year to where they're at at the moment. And because, as, as we spoke, their wins have come against Hawthorne, Gold Coast and Richmond, mm. who aren't travelling too well. No, they're not travelling too well. And uncertainty about how their troops will get back and how strong their team's going to be in future weeks. I want to ask you about Sam Simpson, Josh. His first game in 603 days at AFL level. Um, a feel-good story. Kicked a goal. Kicked Geelong's first goal, in fact, as well, after a long, mm. um, a, a long absence with concussion. Take us inside that decision to play him and then, um, then the feeling amongst the club when, uh, when he was selected. Yeah, it was a bit of a funny one for him because he's been on the, on the cusp for a couple of weeks, he, he, he just... I remember back to 2020 when he played in that losing grand final team. And I think six weeks before the grand final, he almost you know, wasn't really even consideration. But he's... And every team's got one or two of them. But he's one of those guys who you know you can plug him in and he'll play really well at AFL level. He, the, the higher the level, the higher his performance is. And uh, I think Tom Hawkins spoke after the game on the ground about him and, and, and really nailed it just about how he's really beloved and, and admired for the way he's had to show persistence and, and resilience because before his concussion issues, and they cost him a full season last year, 
He missed m- almost all of the year before with soft tissue injuries. He only played four games uh, in that season. One of them was a qualifying final. So the, 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 the coaches have had great faith in him. He's played in some big games for them, but he's just had two years of, of wretched um, injuries and, and concussion issues. So it was great to see him get his opportunity. And to be honest, and I know most Geelong players played pretty well last night, uh, he's just one of those guys that he's going to make the coaches just push someone else out. He's just that type of player. He's just going to play well enough and say, well, you know what? I'm last in. I'm not going to be first out. That's just the type of guy he is. Sounds like a great clubman, as is this man, Mitch Duncan, who might be in some hot water for a bump on Robbie Fox. This was Chris Scott after the game discussing the incident. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I've looked at it really closely, and um, it's a bit almost impossible to do anything different than what he did when a player's coming at you at that speed. And I'm not saying Fox deliberately ran past the ball, but he ended up past the ball and Mitch has got to, he's got to protect himself somehow. And Is he in trouble, Cal? I think he's going to get looked at pretty closely by the match review officer Mike Christian today. Look, it's a unique case, isn't it? He'll be free if the MRO deems he contested the ball and it was reasonable to contest the ball that way mm. or if the contact to Fox's head was caused by circumstances outside of Duncan's control. And and they're in a pretty strong position to argue that, aren't they, given yeah. he ran past the ball, as Chris Scott mentioned. I think it's got some similarities to the decision that the MRO has already made this weekend in allowing Andrew Brayshaw to be cleared of any... Um, MRO sanctioned for the Tom Libertoro concussion because yeah. it was out of his control in that case with the Michael Walters impact in pushing him forward. So that's where I sit on it, but it was a high hit and a bump. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be looked at. I agree, but normally we see the player who is the is, is, is the is the person that bumps the opposition player that runs past the ball. This is the opposite. You know, this is essentially is the victim who runs past the ball. I think Mitch Duncan, Josh, I'm not sure how much, how much you can say on it, is entitled to believe that Robbie Fox is going to pick up the ball, and when he doesn't, he just braces for contact. I would be surprised if Mitch Duncan got a week. Yeah, they're, they're really, like, both players were sort of almost out of control as well. Like The way Mitch had been involved in a two or three handball chain and was running flat out, Fox was coming the other way flat out. I think that the players in those situations, and again, like, it happens so fast, it's not funny, and then when you slow them down, they just don't look. They look like, oh, you've made a decision to do this or that or the other. I'm, I'm pretty sure Mitch would have, would have, it would have happened before he even knew what happened. And I guess the old people say, you know, you've got an alternative to bumping. It's, it's, it's pretty much jump out of the road, which mm. is not realistic. So, um, yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be one that they'll look at because of the the climate that we we operate in, and um, I guess we'll we'll see where it lands. And there's a couple of other MRO incidents as well with the Port Adelaide captain and also Callan Ward we'll discuss a little bit later on as well as the Brisbane Lions versus the Giants, Port versus West Coast and so much more on Sunday Crunch Time. Stay with us.